Sandy. We need the Lord in our lives. As for prayer, this is the last message in Song of Songs. And, you know, we started in Ecclesiastes and there was a search for life. What's life about? And then um, we looked at the search for love here in in Song of Songs as we talk about these old love songs and how God speaks to this couple. It almost reminds me of a reality show uh, as you get a, a real peek into their lives, look into their lives. And God's been dealing with me. The search for life, the search for love. What about the search for God? The ultimate search. And so starting next week, we're going to begin a new series on revival. And we've been going verse by verse through these books, but this is going to be different. But we want to look at revival. What is revival? What What is involved in revival? And you know, you can schedule it. You can plan it. But the truth of the matter is, you can't control it. God shows up in His power when He chooses to show up. But the one thing that you and I can control is the position of our hearts. Are we aware of Him? Are we broken before Him? Are we ready to receive His blessings and His love and His mercy? And and so we're going to begin looking at that search, that search for God, revival. Too often we think of revival as as uh, reaching outside the walls and bringing them in. And of course, we need to do that. But revival is really more about reaching inside these walls of my heart and your heart and pulling us out to where He is. To follow Him and to love Him and to serve Him. But anyway, enough of that commercial. But be in prayer as we begin. And, and I ask you guys, myself included, let's be in prayer. You know, the truth is... Uh, we got to come to worship and we need to prepare our hearts way before the time we come together. We need to ask God to work on our hearts through the week so that when we come together we might hear Him, what He has to say to us. We're going to look at the last message in these ancient songs today in chapter 8, verses 8 through 14. And I've entitled this message, I Was a Wall. And uh, as we get in the message, you'll understand it better. But turn with me to Song of Songs, chapter 8, verses 8 through 14. And we'll ask you to stand in God's honor. We come to that. We have a young sister, and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she's a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedar. I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. Thus I become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. Solomon had a vineyard in Belhaman. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon, and two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Come away, my lover, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountains. Let's pray. Lord, it's been good to see this couple, Lord. As you've unfolded 
their marriage and their love for you and each other in these old songs, Father. These uh, hit love songs saved for us. And I pray, Father, that you speak to us today as we look back upon her family life, Lord. As we look back upon choices that she made, Father. And I pray, Lord, that as we look at her choices and the choices of her network, those around her, Father, that you'll speak to us. Because, God, we live in a world that leaves you out. And as a result, casualties are everywhere, God. And I just pray today, Lord, that you might spare us from becoming casualties, Lord. Instead, Father, that you might pull us close to you. Maybe to open eyes for the first time to your forgiveness. And maybe just to keep us clear from one of those underground minefields, Lord, that are about to uh, be in our path. Lord, help us to turn, not walk there, God. Anyway, Father, I, I pray that there might be courage in this message, Father. I'd speak as you lead. And that there might be conviction, Lord, that it's clear that you're the one, Father, we want to love and follow. Father, there might be clarity. Help my words not to, Lord, make no sense and uh, to stumble, but to be clear, God. And, Father, that there might just be a, a sense of your wonderful presence through it all. We need you, Lord. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. You know, it's been interesting as we've looked at these songs. Well, we had been able to get some really intimate looks into the lives of this couple. We got to see them as they were courting one another under an apple tree, able to be together. We got to see them on the glorious wedding day. Got a picture of the wedding night. Saw them when they argued. Saw them when they went on vacation. We got a lot of different views of their time together, of their lives. Now, the last word is spoken by her. And and as she speaks, we see a lot of her family background. We see a lot of those who were with her and stood by her and helped her and loved her. And we want to look at that today. And I want to bring a challenge out in that process you may be a, a lady. God may speak to you. You may be part of that support network for her. Either way, guys, we're all involved. And so we want to look at it today. And let, let me open up. As she looks back on her upbringing, nowhere in this book is there mention of a dad. Nowhere in this book do we read about her dad. Now, where was he? I don't know. Did something happen and he die when she was really small? Possibly. Was there some kind of conflict and, and he left the family and broke the family's heart? I mean, we don't really know. All that we know is that there's no mention of him. So, I guess the natural assumption is that her mom had the tough job of being a single mom. It mentions her brothers, so she wasn't the only kid. But I think that it's a, you know, that it's, that it's a fair assumption that, that mom had that job. And I, I just want to applaud all single moms. 
or in sometimes single dads, but being a single parent is, man, you know, two of us, it's tough. I can't imagine how tough. But you know, one thing about it here, we see a lady who's chosen to do things the right way and follow the Lord. So there's some hope there for single parents. There's a, a good word here of, of encouragement. That it can be done. Man, this parenting stuff, sometimes I feel like it's a shot in the dark, Lord. Help me not hit my kid. Help me hit the problem. And, and But, you know, there's hope here and, and, and blessing that's available. And we're going to look at that. But as, as we open up in the passage here, notice as she speaks. It starts out, there's mention of her brothers. They're talking. He said, we have a young sister and her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister for the day she is spoken of? So her brothers are speaking and they're saying, you know, we want to be a support system for our sister. Our younger sister needs us. And man, that's to be... You know what? I love that. Some brothers that are watching out for their, for their sister. Care about her. Want to protect her. And I want you to notice as we go down the Scripture here, there's two different types of girls that are mentioned here. Uh, verse 9, If she is a wall, we will build towers of silver on her. If she's a door, we will enclose her with panels of cedars. Now, the first is a wall. And as we see, as this unfolds, this old song unfolds, we see that a wall is a girl who chooses to be a private garden instead of a public park. She chooses not to just freely give her affection away to every guy that comes by. Every guy that wants to touch her. Every guy that wants to kiss her. Every guy that wants to give her some attention. You know, she learned at some point that the Greek word for demon is teenage boy. I'm just kidding there. That's, <laughs> But uh, guys, you know, the honest fact is that guys have built within them a natural aggressive man to get close to that girl and to get physical and, and, and there's that. And this, she's decided here, she says, I'm going to be a wall. I'm, I'm going to be careful about who I give my affections to. I'm, I'm going to be careful about giving away something precious God's given me. I, I want to, I want to, it's not that you know, guys, it's not that she's arrogant or snooty or doesn't want to be friendly. But she understands that it's healthy to not just cling to everyone, and especially to guys. And so she says, I am a wall. Notice she's made that choice. She says, I am a wall. She's made the choice that she is going to be careful with the relationships with guys. And, you know, as she grows older, as you go through the text, she made a choice as she got older that she was going to be a wall, that she was going to protect herself for the one God had for her, the the man that God would set aside to be her companion, her partner, her husband. And, And what a great decision and and she does that with with a heart after God. And as we go on into uh, well, well, the other one. Let me make mention of this. The other one's a door. 
Now what's a door? The girl who's a door, man, she's just so desperate for the attention of a guy. That she's open all the time to that attention and, and, and just starved for it and, 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 and just, uh, the guys all look at her and, and they know that and, and, and the truth of the matter is a lot of times guys, they get the wrong picture of that too. When they, when, when they see a girl like that, they, they get wrong ideas in their minds. And she has a tendency to get a bad reputation and that, that that's what happens. And this is a door. And I love it here that the brothers are saying, we, you know, man, uh, you know, we want to, we're grateful that our sister's a, a, a wall, but I get the idea here that if she was a door, they said, if you're going to get to our sister, this is to put it in good old southwest Virginia, Tennessee, you're going to have to not only go through our door, but through our dog, and through us, and through the shotgun. You know, I remember, uh, I used to like all the Karate Kid movies. Except for the third one. I didn't like the third one. But anyway. The fourth one was the next Karate Kid. And it was about a girl. And uh, I liked that one a lot. And, and uh, you know, the instructor, uh, he he was teaching her to do the karate. But anyway, she gets this date to go to the prom. And I love it. It's a classic scene. This guy comes over there to uh, pick her up. And he's sitting there and he's getting ready to prepare some food. And he's got this long, sharp knife. And he's got some vegetables on the table. And I mean, he is chopping them up. And he says, You'll remember, girl precious. You must treat girl with respect. And he's chopping that stuff up. And he says, You treat her with respect or you'll be in big trouble. And then he goes, Man, you're scary stuff. Chopping over and says, you get her in it this time. You hear me? He's <laughs> got that knife up like that. You know, yeah, yes sir, yes sir. There was a protectiveness and a love that he showed to her that a girl needs. And that he provided. And that the family and those in the network provided for her. Let's look at verse 13. You who dwell... Oh, wait a minute here. I, scripture I want to hit before that. Um, let's look at verse 11. It says, Solomon has a vineyard in Belhaman. He let out his vineyard to tenants. Each was to bring for its fruit a thousand shekels of silver. But my own vineyard is mine to give. The thousand shekels are for you, O Solomon. And two hundred are for those who tend its fruit. What is being said here? There is a picture here of the fact that her husband Solomon is very wealthy. He's very affluent. He's got lots of stuff. But she makes a great statement here. Basically what she's saying here is that although he's got a lot of stuff, I'm what's most precious to him. I'm the real treasure to him. You know, she, as we've already talked about in the course of these songs, you know, he has an affluent background. She doesn't. She always talks about, you know, she's got an issue with her looks because she doesn't have the beautiful look of that culture and of that day because she's worked out in the sun and her skin is uh, tanned and shows the signs of the, of the sun always upon it. And, and anyway, she has issues with that kind of stuff. She, you know, she's not... She didn't have that rich background, that 
culture, uh, that look that you know that's all over the magazines. By the way, C and I were talking the other day about the fact these looks on the magazines after they've been airbrushed and you know controlled with Photoshop and everything else. That's not the real person. But anyway. The point is simply this. She is finding her self-esteem and her worth not in what others say about her, not in what the cultural standard of beauty is in that day or was in that day, but she's finding her sense of self-worth in knowing that she's God's kid and that she's beautiful in Him. And that, that, that her sense of beauty and her sense of self-worth is, is in the fact that she is God's. I love that in uh, Proverbs 31.30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And she understands that. She has her husband's heart. And she has his heart because God's got her heart. And it's a beauty that uh, cannot be uh, equaled. Cannot be equaled. Okay, now to verse 13. He says, You who dwell in the gardens with friends and attendants, let me hear your voice. Now Solomon's talking. Basically, he said, You know, garden, lots of friends, lots of voices. She's popular. I imagine she had a kind of personality that just drew people. And you know what I love about this? As he's talking, basically saying, you know, I really loved getting to know the people you love. I loved getting to know your folks and your family and your friends and that network that loves you. I really loved getting to know them. I love spending time with them. And let me just make a point here because I think this is, this is important. He, he not only wanted to woo her heart, he wanted to woo the family's heart. He understood the fact, you know, when you marry somebody, you don't just marry them, you become part of a family. And so you, you need to get along. People need to get along within the family as well as the two people themselves. And they accepted Solomon. There's no word here of, man, we're going to have to get that shotgun and go after Solomon, you know. It would be tough with that family he's from. But uh, the point is simply that there was a acceptance he didn't try to push away her network. He didn't try to say, you listen to me and me alone. I don't want you talking to them. I don't want you taking their advice. I'm the man. I'm the authority. That's not love. And when a, when a man wants to take a, a woman away from the family just so he can be completely in control, man, the red flags ought to go up. And this was not his heart. This was not his heart. Not at all. All right, I've, I've come to the end of this. The, the rest of the message, I want to flip this around. Uh, a lot of this has been pointed toward her and being a wall instead of being a door as a lady. But I want to talk from the point of view of the network, parents, other family. What are we to do? Well, couple of thoughts here, and then we'll be done. First, according to the Scripture, parents are to be pastors. What a thought, huh? Deuteronomy 4. This is starting at verse 9. 
Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb when He said to me, Assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. You came near and stood at the foot of the mountain while it blazed with fire to the very heavens with the black clouds and deep darkness. Then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. He declared to you His covenant, the Ten Commandments, which He commanded you to follow. And then He wrote them on stone tablets. The bottom line is, guys, our girls need to see Jesus in us. Parents, grandparents, a mixed dead aunts, uncles, they need to see a godly person. They don't want to just hear about a godly life. They want to see a godly life. They, they, they want to know that, that you read your Bible. They want to know that you pray. They want to know that you care about what God has to say. And they don't just want to hear it. They need to see it in your life. I'll never forget when Cindy and I first got married and we served in this church and we were working with the youth. And Man, there was this one family. Wow! I got called over to the house and they really told me off. And I'll never forget this mom told me, said, your job is to teach my little girl about Jesus and to make sure that she hears about Jesus and that she knows Jesus and that she loves Jesus. And then she said a lot of other choice things to me. But uh, then I left and, and I'll never forget, I got back from that and I prayed about it and I thought about that and I said, man, she is wrong. Of course it's my job to be true to the Scriptures and live them. But don't get me wrong. You're at church in these organized meetings for a couple of hours a week. But men at home, they, your kids need to see Jesus there. And, and need to see Jesus as you live. It's just so critical, guys. Uh, next, par- pastoral parenting is to be integrated into all areas of life. It doesn't just happen in this hour or two that we assemble. It happens all the time. It's not just a part of our lives. Jesus is to be our lives. Uh, this is from Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord's one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your Gates. Man, that Jesus ought to just leak out of your life. If you're in the Word, the Word will come out of your life. The Spirit will lead you. The Spirit will guide you. And our families need to see that. Our loved ones need to see that. And, and, and we're all hungry for God. We're looking for God. And may, may we see Him. That's, that's, that's the heart. It, it's to be integrated as, as a parent, as part of that network. We have a responsibility to walk close to the Lord. Not just for ourselves, but for those people so that they are able to see God and see Him clearly. Um, and there's a difference between a, a kid making a mistake and willfully sinning. You know, there's a difference between a kid dropping a glass of milk accidentally on the floor and taking that same glass of milk over to his brother and dumping it on his head. Right, you know, don't get mad, scream, punish when someone makes a mistake. We need to be grace, love each other. 
But when it's an obvious, willful thing, you need to deal with it. Say, this is broken. You need to listen to my voice, to my heart. To my heart. Um, next part. This is tough on me. Parenting reveals the idols in the hearts of the parent. Um, you get a chance to parent, to give your love to somebody, to a kid. Your heart is seen. Where's your heart? Is it in a leisure activity? Maybe it's out on the golf course. That's what you live for to get there. Maybe it's in team sports. Football season's coming up. and Yeah, go battle. That was great to you. But, uh, you know, you one of those, get away. All I want is the remote control, something to drink and some chips or hot wings, and watch this football game. We'll talk later. We'll be together later. I don't care what it is. I could go through the list of activities. But the bottom line is, no activity is more important than your family. Second, uh, maybe it's our perception that's our idol. You know what? uh, I want a perfect house. I want a clean house. I want a perfect family. I want my kids to behave exactly like this. I want to make sure when people see us, this is what they see. Listen, man. We're sinners, okay? Lighten up. I'm not saying don't have a... I'm not saying don't try to do what's right. I'm not saying don't have a a sense of right and wrong and and rules and all that. But don't come to a point to where you're so interested in the rules that the kids don't feel like you love them. Idols in the home. Uh, Next point, home's a classroom. Um, The things are more caught than taught. Uh, as your kids see you praying, as they see you reading your Bible, as they see you living that life, guys, it's caught and you have opportunities to talk to them. Um, instruction needs to always precede correction. Uh, do, do the kids know what they did wrong? I've seen parents like out in public, man, just start screaming at a kid and you can tell they don't have a clue what in the world they did wrong. We don't need to be guilty of that. We need to let them know before we even discipline or punish what happened, what, what's wrong. John fourteen twenty one, Jesus said to them, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. He says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Jesus said, Man, if you love me, you're going to do what I say. And instruction's critical. Um, and you know it's tough because, let's face it, this culture doesn't teach any of us to be unselfish, to be mature, and to be generous. That's God's stuff. That's God's stuff. And when it comes to the guys, uh, back to the girls, there's a lot of girls out there. They don't have a godly male role model. They just don't have one. They want one. If their dad, he may be there, but he's not living for the Lord. He may not be in her life.
There's a lot of hurting girls. And maybe he's calling some of us guys to be the right kind of role model there to touch those lives. Um, now, uh, last here, what do we do for the girls? Uh, pray for them. <laughs> Just love them. May the Scripture flood our lives through them. Give them attention that's right so they're not looking and craving attention in the wrong places. <laughs> so that they'll see that it's beneficial to trust God, protector. And here's the last one. This society is so tough. Train her to be attractive and not seductive. I mean, you know, I had no idea how tough this was until my daughter, you need to go out and look at the clothes that you buy for your daughter. Not much out there that's not seductive. It's just tough. and uh, But that's important. That's important. Um, let her see that Jesus has changed your heart and life and your mind. It can change hers. Some have some bad memories that need, need some hope. God wants to supply that. Uh, Matthew 3, 8, as I close, it says... Bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. You know we are uh, we're blessed with our with our daughter called the other night. She had trouble sleeping. Like I told some of you, I can't remember who have and haven't, but she couldn't sleep. So unfortunately, though, she'll call like one, two in the morning. But anyway, she called and said, "I can't sleep." She talked to her mom. She said, Mom, will you pray with me? Now, what is sweeter than that? Maybe she called Dad and asked, No, I'm just kidding. But how sweet it is. I always kid Cindy all the time, but I'm so grateful they're close. And uh, how, how, what a blessing. Think about that. What is sweeter than your kids calling and saying, Will you pray with me? Now, I, I know, we're out of time here, so I won't go into that, but you think about that a while. There's a lot in there. And I pray that stays true. And I pray it's true with, with all, all my kids. All right. We have a time we call invitation, response. The altar is open. Um, God's calling. There's people here, some have been hurt, some are hurting, altars here. Uh, some may need to hear from the heavenly daddy, who's the ultimate model standing there and wants to be there to touch. However God's speaking, we want you to come, and we want to just respond to him that will hear his voice and follow him. Let's pray. Lord, as we close out this series of old love songs, that are relevant, Lord. Father, we think of a lot of families that are hurt in this culture, Lord, where people just don't know You. They don't follow You. And God, we need to be a place where people see You, where people find Your love, and where love's modeled the right way. And I just pray, Lord, in this time we call invitation that You'll bring who You want down here, Lord to follow you, to hear your voice, and to obey. 
And Lord, whether it's to come pray down here or to uh, pray uh, at the front with me and to say something to your people, I don't know what you want. What I care about is that we simply obey you, Lord. You know, you said that the one who loves you is the one that obeys you. So if you're speaking to a heart, God, of a person, I just ask that that person obey. Just do what you want, Lord, because you love us. You want some to say, uh, forgive me, I'm a sinner, come live in my heart. You want others to say, Lord, I'm yours, and I need to live like it. Help me to start from this point on, a new a new chance there. Others, uh, Lord, you know my hurt, Father, but just cover me, God. Just cover me and, and hug me and love me. God, have your way, Lord. We need you, Lord. And may we come to you. In your name we ask. Amen.